Welcome to Holding Down the Fort, an award-winning podcast show dedicated to curating knowledge, resources, and relevant stories for today's military spouses so they can continue to make confident and informed decisions for themselves and their families. Because let's face it, we know who's really holding down the fort. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and your host for Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I am your co-host, Jen Amos, also Gold Star daughter and veteran spouse. And as always, especially for season four, I have my co-host with me, Jenny Lynn Stroop, who is a military spouse going 12 years, mom of two, and also a mental health advocate. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yes. And we are excited as we usually are. I don't think I've ever come on a show depressed off of that, <laughs> like, but uh, we, I don't know why I hadn't mentioned that, but anyway, we are excited <laughs> to say the least because we have Michaela Rosales with us today. Michaela is a life coach, military spouse, 20 years this year, and is a homeschool mom to three, three kiddos. So Michaela, wow. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you ladies. Yeah, absolutely. I know that there was a lot going on for you before we jumped on. I'm just glad that we were able to catch you. Yes, me too. Thank you for the reminder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's always handy to get people's phone numbers. I know that like people are like anti, like don't call me nowadays, but the texts can, you know, people respond to texts more than phone calls. And I can attest to that as a millennial. Like when I hear my phone ring, it's like an alarm and I just don't like, I'm like, ah, but a lot of times I feel like I get more spam calls on my cell phone now. Like, I don't know how that's happened, but anyway, that's why I don't pick up. I tell people, if you want to get a hold of me, text me. So I know that like you're a real person. You're not trying to sell me anything. Anyway, that was aside the point. Michaela, <laughs> let us know. It's a, it's a new year. It's 2021. How has the new year been treating you so far? Let's go ahead and start with that. So far, no complaints. It's been a pretty good year. Now I'm trying to remember what have I been doing the last <laughs> Just growing my community with Honest Talk and honestly, you know, getting connected with other people this year from 2020 in August of 2020, our family moved from Rome, Italy back to the United States and getting connected has been a lot more difficult this time around 13th move, but Mm. you know, one of the hardest ones. So I have been super grateful for virtual and online connections because that's been what's fueling me these last six months and uh, carrying that into 2021. Yeah. Well, thank you for opening up with that. I've never been to Rome. So for people that are, I mean, I don't know if we can visit it nowadays with the pandemic, but you know, if people were to visit, what do you feel like is one thing they should know that the average tourist wouldn't know? Oh my goodness. There's so much. You need like a lifetime to see Rome. I mean, we lived there a year and I feel like there's still so much we didn't get to experience. Well, Mm -hmm. probably because we were locked in our apartment for (laughs) for three months of that year. Yeah. Gosh, I think it's really just don't be afraid to venture down the straight alley. Like just walking around. Yes, the well-known historical sites are super awesome to see. But some of my favorite things were to just travel down where the locals go and eat in, you know, in the local eateries and, 
and really get to know the customs and cultures of the Italian people because it's such a beautiful country and with beautiful people. So uh, I love it. I mean, this has nothing to do with Rome, but it reminds me of when I went to London for college and we were able to kind of go and the tourist side, like we had a tour guide, like walk us around, but I met a friend there and he showed us kind of like the real side of London. Mm-hmm. And so he took us to all the clubs and like all these things and like the nightlife. And, and I was like, oh, this is London, you know? So it must be fun for you to like really experience Rome for, you know, what it was at the time that, you know, you were there and before everything shut down. Janelyn, have you ever been to Rome or, or anywhere just, you know, any exciting, not that like anywhere you've been, hasn't been exciting, but like, <laughs> you know, like any like place where you're like, Whoa, like I mean, this is Norfolk, amazing. Virginia. That place is awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I went to France and Monaco in high school, but we've never been sent with the military. And that's kind of one of the things in our bucket list. We'd love to do a European duty station is high on our list of things to do before we stop this military thing. But in listening to Michaela talk, I was thinking, I mean, that's just such great advice anywhere you go, no matter where you are, you know, as we look forward to our PCS and just, I don't even know, are we T minus 45 days or something? That was the one thing we did coming out here. So this will be our second cross country move. And that was what was so fun is that we picked spots on the map that we'd wanted to see, that we'd heard things about to see the bigger things. Like we went to Birmingham and saw the Martin Luther King stuff and the 16th street Baptist church. But then it was, I have become an expert Yelper. It's one of my better qualities. We just Yelp like local places to eat. And man, did we eat well. And I mean, one place we went in Shreveport, Louisiana was a converted gas station. It used to be a gas station and car wash. And you could still see like on the floor where the big brushes had like spun around for years and years and years. And it was just local Louisiana food. It was po'boys and, you know, beignets. And it was just so fun to be in the local community. And in some places like that restaurant, we were there for the hour and a half we ate and talked to the owner and, you know, then moved on to the next place we were going. But I think that's a benefit of military life that I've enjoyed the most is like finding those things in those places that aren't just the big must-see attractions. In fact, I've never been to the San Diego Zoo. Don't tell anybody, but I've eaten a lot of local tacos (laughs) and they are delicious. I can't believe you haven't been to the set. Everyone, Jenny Lynn has not been to the San Diego Zoo (laughs) announcement. Dennis, don't edit this out. I'm upset at you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyway, I feel you. No big deal. I'm not mad that you haven't gone there. Although I just, that's just quite fascinating considering how you've lived there for a while. So (laughs) a lot of tacos that may make up for the lack of the zoo. Yeah, there you go. And carne asada fries. I'm just saying Mexican food has not been the same in all the different places we've lived. I'm originally from California, San Diego area. Oh, hey, cool. That's cool. Well, you know, in all of your moves, Michaela, in addition to Rome, any other places that you were so glad to have your family live at for a number of years? One of our very first assignments was Japan. And I also love that. So we've been stationed, you know, in Asia and then in Europe. I love living overseas because part of, like, I just truly love immersing in various cultures and learning about their way of life and I didn't know this about myself until we joined the military, but I'm okay with stepping outside my comfort zone mm-hmm. because of the various opportunities that it presents me. 
and my family, my children, as well as extended family that are brave enough to come visit us in (laughs) various places. But yeah, I've decided I have a love for languages. I don't know Japanese. I wish I did. I wish I had learned it better more when I lived there. But my family and I are still learning Italian with our Italian instructor from Rome. So we do it a Zoom call or a Skype call twice a week. And so honestly, in all the places we've moved, there have been some locations where I thought, why are we here again? (laughs) Of nowhere, (laughs) New Mexico. But honestly, the people, the people always make it worth it everywhere. I can't say we've had a bad assignment because the people have always been amazing. Uh, Mm -hmm. I love it. Jenny Lynn, have you ever had a place where like, what are we doing here? I mean, yes, but not in like a bad way. I've had a like, whose life is this kind of thing? I think our tour moving from the Hampton Roads area up to metropolitan New York City area was just like, I mean, I'm of the age and demographic of sex in the city. And it was like, oh my gosh, I never thought I would get to be like here and doing the things and, you know, going to all these fancy parties and doing all this stuff. And so that for me was, I continue even, gosh, we left there five years ago. I still go, whose life was that? (laughs) Like what happened? And my kids, I mean, it's funny, you know, you talk about what your kids pick up because of Matthew's job was very front facing and very outreachy for the Navy. And so we got to do a lot of things that as like a regular, if we were to move back to New York today is just Matthew and Jenny Lynn, we would not have the same experience as we had because of the job he had. And so like my kids came away from there, having gone to baseball games where they got to go to like a suite and eat the food and run around. And we moved to San Diego where you can throw a rock and hit another, you know, sailor. And they're right. like, why are we sitting in the cheap seats at the Padre stadium? And I'm like, cause we paid for these. <laughs> like, we're not, you know? And so it's been really interesting to watch how like, even they've gone, Oh, that wasn't real. Oh, I mean, it was real, but like, that's not a thing everybody does or, you know, watching my dad come visit us and look around Times Square and he was in his sixties and my three-year-old was like, what is granddaddy doing? And I'm like, he's never been here. And my three-year-old was like, we've been here five times since we've lived here, you know? And it's just this, like, I hope they come away with such an appreciation of what we've done because so much of it is not quote unquote normal, but it see it was normal at the time for us. And now as they've grown up, they, you know, they get to kind of look back and go, wow, we really got to do a lot of cool stuff. The entire time that we were in Rome, we knew we were only going to be there for a year. And every morning I'd wake up and tell my kids, guys, we live in Rome. We live in Rome, Italy. Do you realize that? Because I did not want to take it for granted. I didn't want yeah. it to feel normal. I wanted us to realize and appreciate the opportunity that we had. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Just kind of like really appreciating the moment and where you're currently living. I mean, if I think about my favorite duty station, it was definitely in Japan, Yokosuka, Japan, because I remember I was like eight years old and we were like living off base and it was so safe off base that like I remember like the commute, like my parents would always make from off base to on base. And I somehow like memorized it at eight years old. So I had a bike that my dad found in like a dumpster. It was still working. So that's weird to scrappy like that. But anyway, I remember taking that bike and cycling all the way from where we lived off base to on base. And I checked myself in with my military ID. (laughs) I was like, I'm checking in. 
And then I remember meeting, like, I think my mom or dad, like at their work. And they're like, they're like, wait, how did you get here? And I was like, I cycled here. They're like, wait, what? Cause like, I, if I look back, it's like, I remember like cycling through like railroads and dark tunnels and like all these things at like eight, nine years old. Like I was really young at that time and it felt so safe. And when I think about a favorite duty station, that was like my favorite just because I had no fear. And then, and when we came to San Diego, my mom was all like, don't talk to strangers. Like, you know, like, don't go to Halloween. Like they're going to put poison in your candy. You know, it's just, it was just sad. It was sad. To, I felt sad to be an American. I was like, can I just go back to Japan? Like, anyway, I don't know why I brought up that story. That's not, that's a very sad story. No, it was a good story. It was a hopeful story. But anyway, the experience is what we're talking about and like being in different, you know, different countries and different cultures, I think is fascinating. And I just love it. And I love hearing all of it and even your own experiences as well, considering how you moved 13 times, I think is really incredible, Michaela. And you homeschooled your kids or you, you are currently homeschooling your kids. So was that like a decision you both decided, you know, at a like early on, like, okay, we should homeschool them rather than take them through public school? No, that was not a decision. <laughs> decided. I'm pretty sure I've uttered the words, I will never homeschool. And here I am seven years in. I was actually a public school teacher in my previous life wow. for kids. And so I had no problem. I was like, yep, my kids will go through public school. And then we moved to Las Vegas when my older two were in elementary school, like pre-K and first grade. And we decided to put them in, in private school there while we were there, which mm -hmm. just about broke the bank at that point. It was ridiculous how much you pay for, for private school. But we moved and we were moving with the military. We were moving in November and the private school wouldn't give us the, like a pro rate mm. for just from, you know, August or September to November. So we hemmed and hawed and what do we do? You know, where do we, where do we put them? I don't want to go put them in a public school to then pull them out to go put them in another, another public school when we move. And there was all this, they would have ended up moving schools like three times in a matter of just a few months. So we tried like an online K-12 online homeschooling which was a total disaster. <laughs> and that's because moving, I had a new baby, trying to get them to sit down and do their work. A lot of what the world is experiencing right now, I experienced just eight years ago. I'm a little ahead of the time. And so when we got to our next duty station, I was like, sign them up, like put them back in school. They're going back. And then my son, who was about eight at the time, sat me down. It was the last day of Christmas vacation. And we went out for a nice lunch, just myself and the three kids. And he was like, okay, mom, I have a presentation on why you should homeschool. I'm like, excuse me. Whoa. And I said, yeah, honey, that's just not for us. And I dismissed him. I was like, that's just not going to happen. Don't you remember just a few months ago or a year ago when we tried that whole thing and it was a disaster and all we did was you had mean mommy all the time. And he was like, well, yeah, but I think it's going to be different. Anyways, I dismissed him and just said, no, I really don't. That's for us. And then I felt really convicted. I couldn't mm. sleep. I was tossing and turning and, and just thinking, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do? You know, Lord, what am I supposed to do? And I didn't want to tell my husband because in some ways I was scared of his answer. <laughs> and then <laughs> finally I was like, all right. So I told my husband and we sat down and I was like, you know, Brian, that's our oldest. He asked me to homeschool and he's like, you know what? I've been thinking about it. I think it's a great idea. 
I was like, no, that's, <laughs> I didn't want you to say that. <laughs> Anyways, I was going to wait and pull, you know, for the next school year. This was sometime in the spring when I had worked out all my issues. And long story short, I pulled him out in March of his fourth grade year. Wow. And we just, ever since we have been homeschooling, although I do have to caveat my older two, once they got into high school, they do an online curriculum, but, um, it is a school that is like, it is very managed and that's what they're designed to do. So it's not chaotic. Like other people are experiencing right now. Cause it's very, they go to one class and then they have, you know, the rest of the day to do homework and studies offline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a story. Uh, Daniela, you were nodding a lot and I know that you are, you have recently decided to homeschool your boys. So thoughts. <laughs> oh man, that story. Yep. Pretty sure I've said at least a thousand times. Oh, homeschooling is not for me. I mean, I was a public school teacher too. And one of the greatest things about being a public school teacher is at 3 PM, you send all 25 or 30 kids home. Yep. to their parents. And I just, I mean, I loved my students and I loved what I taught and I had a, you know, it was great. And also you got a break. And so I knew being a mom that like what I did not want to be was both mom and teacher because there was nowhere else for them to go and, you know, enter global pandemic that, you know, caused everyone to shift courses in some way, shape or form. And for us knowing that we would be PCSing this year and not having a timeline for us. I mean, it was a similar thing. Like, you know, out here in California, we've been locked down more than most. And so, you know, at first there was talk of, oh, hopefully we'll be back second quarter. Oh, that's not going to work. Maybe we'll be back after Christmas. Oh, that's not going to, well, I mean, you know, here it is March and they, our district starts back in a week or two. Mm. And it was one of those, like, I just didn't want one more transition for two kids that already live transition all the time. And it was like, I personally working full-time and Matthew working full-time, like could not navigate one more, like up in the air thing. I mean, we were already up in the air with the pandemic. Like, why were we going to? And so for us, we made the decision to homeschool this year. Now, that being said, we are very much looking forward to public school come <laughs> the fall. <laughs> um, we have prepared our people for that. Um, and there are many days they've looked at us and gone, oh yeah, I remember that time we went to school, we're ready to go back there. And we're like, yeah, we are all ready for that. But I mean, I think it, in a lot of ways though, I mean, it has provided us the flexibility that we needed for this year and knowing that we have done it and no one in our house has died from it. You know, I think it's good to know that it could be an option should we need it in the future, but my preference is to be mom and not teacher. And we have learned that this year. And also <laughs> everyone has still learned. We're still doing math, writing and reading. Good. And not just mom and teacher, it's mom, teacher, principal, secretary, like you're wearing all the hats. And I will say our first year of homeschooling was extremely volatile. And there was mom, like every time my husband walked in, he didn't know what he was going to get from me. If I was like, oh, we did this craft and we did. And I was really happy. Or if I was like, those kids are going to, one of us is going to hurt each other. Like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow if we have to keep going. But I will say that a blessing that has come out of our homeschooling is I have learned about each one of my mm -hmm. children and their style of learning and mm. how they communicate, which I don't know that I would have mm -hmm. gotten, or I don't know that I would have paid attention to it. It's not them, but I don't think I would have paid attention as closely had we not homeschooled, even for just a year. 
you know, when I think about like homeschooling versus like public schools, and I mean, I grew up in the public school system, but I had cousins who were homeschooled by my aunt because, you know, they were in the military, they moved around a lot and it just made sense for the family to homeschool them. And I find that I would say the the benefit of homeschooling or even like private lessons in, in a sense is that, or yeah, private lessons is the attention. I think the difference between like how a kid succeeds is the amount of attention they're given, you know, to learn. And I think that's the benefit of homeschooling is just like what you said, Michaela, like you were able to see your kids and see their style of learning where, you know, in a public school system, when you have you know, so many students in a class, like a teacher, I imagine a teacher can only do so much to pick up on, you know, each individual student style of learning. And so, you know, I don't think they're dumb. I just think sometimes it's just that a matter of attention, that that undivided attention that's so necessary. And that's something that I definitely wish that I had growing up because, you know, I was not a good student. <laughs> I was not the best student out there, uh, you know, seeing the difference. And I used to think like, oh, I never wanted to be homeschool. Like I want to be street smart. Like I want to be in the public school system. But, you know, I also didn't have like, I just wasn't into certain subjects because, like I didn't have that extra tutor and I didn't have that extra help. And so I think, you know, just to you and your credit of homeschooling, I think that's the benefit, right? Is making sure your kids are given that attention to learn. Mm -hmm. Hey everyone, Jen Amos here, just taking a quick break to let you know that this episode of Holding Down the Fort is brought to you by US Vet Wealth which is the company that I'm so fortunate to run with my husband and business partner, Scott R. Tucker. At US Fed Wealth, we provide bold financial education and flexible financial solutions for our career military families. To get a better understanding by what we mean when we say bold financial education and flexible financial solutions, consider checking out my husband's book, Veteran Wealth Secrets. In fact, you can actually download the first three chapters of Veteran Wealth Secrets for free by visiting VeteranWealthSecrets.com. Thanks to one of our Amazon customers, here's a five-star review just to give you an idea of what this book is about. Veteran Wealth Secrets provides a perspective that I do not believe I'll ever encounter elsewhere in my own transition. Scott's done a fantastic job of making me rethink what my post-military life has to look like. If you are transitioning in the next few years, you should read this book. I doubt you'll find the viewpoint he provides elsewhere. So thank you to one of our verified customers for actually purchasing this book on Amazon. Once again, you can download the first three chapters of the book at veteranwealthsecrets.com to see if you like our philosophies and if our company is the right company for you to talk about your money. So something else to note about the book my husband brings to the forefront of his discussion in the book what the military and most veteran financial advisors usually gloss over as they focus on military retirement plans, which is this. The moment that you leave the military is the biggest opportunity of your lifetime and you're going to need money for it. I like sharing this resource on our show because it's really not just for veterans and it's not just for our service members, but really for military spouses who manage the personal finances of the family. So once again, you can download the first three chapters of Veteran Wealth Secrets today by visiting veteranwealthsecrets.com. All right, let's get back into the episode. Yeah, I think, you know, 
don't get me wrong. There have been many days where I was ready to pull my hair out and it's, it's not easy and it's not for everyone. For our family, we took it one year at a time and we, you know, reassessed each year. And because we move every one to three years, it has made the most sense for us mm-hmm. at this point in where my children are at. Um, I have mine are 17, 14, and nine. But there's, you know, my son, he's raised quail. He has built a foundry with his father. He's built a skateboard. He got into blacksmithing. Like, wow. They taught themselves, the older two taught themselves how to play guitar and are continuing to do that. These are things that if they were in school, they would have never had the time to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our school day looked very much like go to school, their school all day, quickly come home, get a snack, do your homework. Now we're off to extra, you know, soccer or, or whatever sport they were in at the time. Then it was quickly come home, make dinner, eat dinner get ready for bed, do it all over again, which was the schedule that we were accustomed to, but homeschooling, we kind of peeled it all back. Mm -hmm. Again, like you said, Jenny, they're still doing reading, writing, math, you know, those kinds of things. But we, we found some extra time to dive into some random, I mean, raising quail, who does that? Um, (laughs) You know, my family in the Philippines did. I remember when I first visited them because, you know, it's, it's a lot of money to go back to the Philippines with a whole family. But I remember just this whole, like they had this whole tent of like just quail. And like, at first I thought it was chickens, but you go inside and it's like, it's all quail. And then for dinner, we'd have like the tiny quail eggs, but you're right. It's like, that was like the first time, like, I don't even know anyone else other than my family that like raises quail. It's just so fascinating. Well, you know, the reason why he did it is because he wanted to have chickens, but we had <laughs> a base and he couldn't have chickens. And so he found a way, he read all the regs of the base housing and the military and found a way around the chicken thing. And that's why we ended up with quails. And we literally wow. like, who are we? What are we doing? And, you know, they all ended up running away or yeah. Oh no. One of them got eaten by a hawk. Um but it's oh still gosh. those are experiences that we just we laugh about and we you know we chat about all these random things that he's had our family do and they they've made for some good memories. Yeah, I'm sure that their friends are like, so what do you do? Like, do you have a dog? You know, I have quail. I have quail, yeah. but one got picked up by a hawk recently. So, which yeah. our squadron mascot when my husband was a commander was the hawk. And I didn't even put two and two together. I was like, oh my gosh, look at the hawk that's sitting on our fence. And then all of a sudden I didn't think about the quail being in their little coop outside. And all of a sudden I see him swoop down. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. You're like so majestic, but oh my gosh. Like, oh, that's, that's awful. We have not gotten into raising animals. We have a patio and no yard. But it has been fun, like for me to see like the pace. My oldest son is very self-motivated and I'm like, here's what you have for the day. And he wants it done in an hour and he will sit down and do it. My youngest is like, I want a snack. I need to take a break. And that for me has been what's fun for us is that we've set the parameters. Here are the things you have for the day, including your chores, make your bed, brush your teeth. Somebody has dishwasher, somebody has sink, like all of these things get done before you get to like go on screen time or watch TV, but it takes my oldest an hour. It may take my youngest four, but they both do it. And most days, nobody is having a meltdown over the stress of the work. This morning we got back into our writing program and there was a lot of drama, but (laughs) you know, those days are fewer and farther between than just knowing the expectations they have set for them. And then 
meeting them on their own terms, I think has been really helpful for us and kind of the break we needed. Like my son was in a class that was getting larger by the year as Mm -hmm. he like moved up in grade. And it was like less ability to disperse the personalities, if you will. And so there were a lot of personalities in each classroom and no way to kind of work around them. And that was very frustrating for him. So I think for him, he was just like, oh, good. I just get to do the stuff because he could. And my youngest, I think, is missing the social interaction a bit, but also has the freedom to get up and walk around the table if he needs to, unlike in a classroom where he was like the kid fidgeting in his desk and, (laughs) hey, pay attention, pay attention. (laughs) So it's been helpful for us in that way. No quails, though, or dogs or cats or chickens. You have enough to handle, Jenny Lynn. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I've really thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Like, although we like sort of had a plan, I just love the direction that we went, which is pretty much, I think, very reflective of military life is the pivoting and (laughs) stepping out of our comfort zone. And and I say all this because, you know, Michaela, you know, your experience being, you know, military spouse for 20 years this year, you have a lot of lessons, you know, that I'm sure you have to share. So, so let's go ahead and dive into that. Maybe what's like the number one lesson that comes to mind right now that you want to share with our listeners who are, you know, typically new spouses, a good mix of like new spouses to seasoned spouses. Yeah. Some things that I've learned along the way are definitely that there's power in asking for help. I think a lot of times in the beginning, I felt like if I asked for help or admitted that something was was difficult or that I was having a hard time that I would be considered weak or I would be impacting even my husband's mission because I wasn't capable of, of doing, you know, doing Mm. something. And I was always so leery to ask for help or to reach out because I didn't want to impose on anyone. I didn't want to step on anybody's toes, but the older I've gotten, the more seasoned I've gotten, I realized that there is so much power in asking for help. And it's not even just for my own sake, there's power in it because it gives other people permission to ask for help also. And I think as a seasoned spouse, it's even more important to show that to the younger spouses that there's, you know, that, that asking for help is not a weakness. I wrote a paper for a master's program that I was doing, and it was about that military strong persona Mm. And yes, our spouses who are in the military have this strong persona of, you know, never complain, do the mission, be strong in all these things. But I think as families, even our dependents, even our, our children can sometimes take that on as well. But really what it comes down to is this life is hard. Being a mom is hard. Being a spouse is hard. Moving, transitioning, all these different things is hard. And so to be able to say, I need help in all different, whatever it is, whether it's with your kids or your house or figuring something out to how to maneuver military orders or deployments and things like that, to be able to say this is hard and I need help is powerful. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, Michaela, because I, I one of the past episodes that I recent, recently did was with three seasoned spouses where their experience ranged from, I think, 15 to 25 years like in the service. And one of the biggest things they learned is to ask for help. Like you should ask for help. And I think part of the insecurity or part of the fear of asking for help was not wanting to be a burden. They had mentioned that, oh, if I have issues, I don't want this to prevent my spouse from deploying. You know, so there was some valid fears as to why they 
maybe didn't want to ask for help, but eventually it caught up with them. You know, eventually you start to realize like you can't hold it together on your own forever. So I really appreciate you just sharing the importance of asking for help. And I think the sooner you ask for help, the better so that you don't have to learn the hard way that you need help. Exactly. My tagline is be resilient, not resentful. And I found in my own life, as well as in my clients, that we start building up resentment when we don't ask for help, when we feel isolated and alone, when you feel like you have to carry all of the weight of military life on your shoulders by yourself, that starts to slowly chip away and turn into resentment. But asking for help, reaching out, admitting when things are hard, that to me fuels resiliency. And so that's my kind of go-to is be resilient, not resentful. Yeah. I think that's a powerful quote. Oh, that's amazing. I wrote it down. (laughs) Jenny Lynn, any thoughts on that? Oh no, I love that. Be resilient, not resentful. I mean, when I survey my own time as a seasoned military spouse, I mean, that is the number one killer of all the things is the resentment that grows over the little and the big stuff. And it was in learning to ask for help and let that show and being willing to go first Mm-hmm. to talk about it that opened up a whole, I mean, I have a master's degree in elementary education and I'm an outreach coordinator for military mental health clinic. Like those two don't necessarily <laughs> parallel in like a career choice, but I'm here today because of like my willingness to talk about what was going on at my house and get the help that I needed, you know, and that kind of propelled me forward into this military advocacy thing that I never, I mean, that is not what I imagined myself doing ever in my whole life. And yet I love it and I fit here and it's wonderful, but it all came from seeking help first, like Mm -hmm. going, something is off here and I don't know how to hold it anymore. And then sharing that experience with others and going, Hey, this was really hard for me. I asked for help. I'm willing to be that person. You ask for help until you're ready to talk to somebody else that, you know, I'm not licensed or anything, but I'm happy to, you know, listen to, you know, what's on your mind. Yeah. Ah, Very powerful. And, you know, I imagine Michaela, that what you do with honest talk has a lot to do with that phrase. I imagine be resilient, not resentful. And I think, you know, part of that is to have honest talks. So I feel like that's like my shameless plug for you. So, you know, let's, (laughs) let's talk a little bit about life today and, you know, what you're doing with honest talk. I know you have a online community as well as a podcast show. Yeah. So Honest Talk Radio is my podcast and it is, it's all about that Honest Talk. I got tired of people. I could see they were hurting. I could see Mm. that they were struggling and they didn't want to say anything because they were so worried about possible ramifications on on their spouse or how they would be perceived in the community or things like that. And so I just try to have as many honest conversations around good, the good, the bad, and the ugly as possible. I'm also a mental health advocate. I truly believe that it takes a village and we do have our military spouse community. But again, if there's so many layers between feeling like I can share, but I can't share, but maybe I shouldn't share, you know, even assignments in 13 assignments, I've cried at every single one of them, even if I was excited to go there, but I share that, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, he called and gave me an assignment and I cried. But then once I, you know, sat down and thought about it, I got really excited. <laughs> and I talked <laughs> to people who knew people that were there or had, you know, so it does, it takes a village. But, and with that in mind is why I've created a new group coaching community to bring people together. And, you know, it's a platform to help 
people feel connected in a, in a really isolated world right now. Yeah. To feel supported, encouraged, but also accountable to someone. You know, we all have mm-hmm. these big goals and dreams and aspirations, but then there's this challenge that comes up. Oh, well, we're moving and I should probably not start it again. Oh, this is happening. Maybe I'll wait. I waited for a long time to have my career to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, I dabbled in so many different things trying to figure out what can I do with this military life that I'm not starting and stopping every single time we move Mm. is where honest talk came from because now I'm kind of rambling, but I was a childbirth educator and still am for many years but I would build my business in one community. I would make connections with the doctors and nurses and midwives and people around the community. And then I would have to, two years later, shut it all down and then start start back up the next place, which it takes a year to make those connections and build that trust. Yeah. And then I only had a year of a thriving business and then I would have to shut it down again. And so I started off by moving the childbirth course online and then it grew into more with childbirth, obviously, is a huge part of life. So coaching people in that life direction, but then also just life in general and helping them meet their goals and come up with a plan and see all the different things that are going to get in the way and make a plan to overcome. And that's what I try to specialize in is, is helping you overcome the distractions overcome the things that are going to try and knock you off and derail you from taking those steps. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And, you know, I think you set that example by being the first to have these honest conversations, you know, and giving people permission to do the same. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people are hurting right now. It's very easy to feel isolated and to fall into depression. And, you know, I've definitely been a victim of that myself, you know, lately, which I'll tell Jenny Lynn more later after this recording. (laughs) But yeah, and so it's just great to have honest talks, just like what I feel like we're having here. So Michaela, thank you for doing what you do. And I know for our listeners, we'll have in the show notes, your website, honesttalkinternational.com, if they want to learn more about that. The last thing that I am most excited for you, Michaela, is that you are one of the partners or speakers at Evolve Retreat, which was started up by Jen Pasquale, who was a former guest on the show. So let us know a little bit about that retreat, which is coming up soon. And what are you most excited about for it? You know, again, I'm the most excited about the fact that it's going to be a time and a space and a place for safe, honest conversations and, you know, a safe space for seasoned spouses to help one another. Because I think a lot of us, Jen and I have talked extensively for a while now that even seasoned spouses still feel this stigma almost to be able to share what we're struggling with. Mm. Whether it depends on our our spouse's position, you know, the the longer you're in, sometimes the smaller your circle gets. And, you know, being able to be open and honest about the struggles and the wins, you know, also, I don't want to just hone in on the hard things that military life brings, but there's also some great things that you want to share and not everybody understands why they're great or how they're great. And so I'm just really excited to get together. And like I said in the beginning, Virtual connections have been my jam over the (laughs) last year, and that's what's been keeping me afloat in my mental state, physical, emotional, mental. And so I'm just super excited about all the the connections and, and meeting new people and having those great conversations. 
Uh, I love it. And I'm so very, I'm just uh, in awe of you and everything that you've accomplished at this point and continue to do. And I'm sure it's going to be a great retreat for our seasoned military spouses. I love both your, your title and your tagline, honest conversations. I think as I was listening to you talk, I was thinking of, I used to be a mops leader and that was really kind of my first place to plug in for connection in those years that I had small children and thinking about this one in particular, where we were supposed to, we had the same table group the whole year. And so those people at the table that particular year got incredibly close. Many of us were military spouses, but not everyone. And it was this really neat mishmash of like civilians learning from military spouses and military spouses learning from civilians and this really great group. And one of the very last things we did was we had to write something that we'd like learned about or appreciated about the other women at the table. And one in particular always struck me. And it's one of those things that I get up in the morning and dress the way that I dress and put on my makeup the way that I put on my makeup because it makes me feel good. But what it does for other people is kind of sometimes makes me look unapproachable. I'm learning because I look really put together. Mm. And what I learned from those writings, and in fact, that's why I muted because I was looking for it and I was rummaging around at my desk <laughs> because I've kept all those for several years wow. now. And one of the women who became one of my closest friends that year and, and remains one, you know, she said, I just really was really intimidated by you <laughs> until you opened your mouth, which we all laughed at. <laughs> and she's like, but in honesty, it's because you were honest about where you were at. And it's very easy to assume that because you get up every morning and put on your makeup the way that you do and dress the way that you do to assume that nothing is wrong, that mm. everything is fine, that you're doing this life really well and easily. And so to hear somebody put that looks put together, like you go, look, my house is a shit show. <laughs> like, we, you know, we have this and that and the other, and have had to ask for help for all of these things. She said was just so comforting. And it's one of the things that I think made that table group so close was that it was a space for all of us to share the, I mean, we had a couple people that had husbands on deployment. We had a couple people who were civilians who were like sitting wide-eyed at like, what is happening? We've never heard these things, but it's fascinating. And then those of us who had been through those seasons before, or were about to go through those seasons again, it just, it was the honest conversation and the ability to talk about those resentments that would eventually grow into something that was untenable. And so to like have a space to let those go, like, I just, I think it's amazing that you've done that online, especially this day and age. Like that really is where most of us are getting our real connection. I mean, like I said, still in California, we still don't see a whole lot of people. Um, So to have a space, like, I think that's great. And I'm looking forward to the Evolve conference where you share that with others and hopefully people can find a space there. Thank you. A couple of things came into my mind while you were talking. And one of them was you mentioned the mops. And that was another reason why Honest Talk kind of evolved because as my kids grew, I felt like my ability to connect with people started getting smaller because now my kids' friends weren't necessarily friends with my friends' kids. And Mm. as they got older, that became a lot more difficult than trying to their schedule became a lot busier. And then that was less time for my friendships and connections. And so trying to, again, step out of comfort zones, think about ways to meet people, to get connected, to 
have those honest conversations that came harder and harder. And so that was another reason why it evolved into what it is today. And then the approachable comment too, I like to get myself, and I have to admit, disclaimer, this last year has been very different for me. <laughs> you know, the first time putting on real pants wasn't <laughs> long ago, but yeah, getting ready. There's something about getting ready, the act of getting ready. Even if I, when I started homeschooling, that was something very important to me because if I didn't get up and get ready for the day, as if I was leaving the house, mm-hmm. none of us could focus and get going. It was very mm-hmm. much like we just wanted to sleep and nap and watch a movie all day. But I had a younger spouse say the other day how they felt intimidated just because yeah. we've been in the military for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I did not even dawn on me because to me, I'm still the same person I was 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but all that to say is that I speak for myself, but I don't wear my husband's rank. I don't wear his years of service. I just come with the experiences mm-hmm. that that I love and I'm, I want to share in hopes that it can inspire and help someone and encourage someone in their journey, but not because I find myself, I'm like, oh, I've been there, done that. I've got the t-shirt. I'm, you know, <laughs> yeah. in. but it's coming from a heartfelt, don't make the same mistake I did don't lose your identity early on, be you and show up confident in who you are every day and don't apologize for it. Makayla, I can see why you're a life coach and I love it. (laughs) But thank you for sharing that. You know, I think all of this is to say, also, this is part of the reason why we do what we do on our podcast show here at Holding Down the Forts is to normalize these kinds of conversations and find that common ground because, you know, the moment you kind of have that mentality of the moment that you feel disconnected in your head, you can easily go in a downward spiral. But if you have that intention to be like, no, 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 I'm not the only one going through this. Like I I need to talk to someone about this. And, you know, for you to create a space for that, I think is astounding. And, you know, we need more of it. I think we need more of it and we need to keep fighting the good fight. But overall, I'm just, you know, I'm in awe of you and I admire and respect everything that you're doing. And I wish you continued success. Thank you so much. You guys have been wonderful. And I loved getting to chat with you today. Yeah, absolutely. So remind our listeners, Makayla, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Absolutely. I am my handle on Facebook and Instagram is at Honest Talk International. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm just Makayla Rosales. And my website is www.honesttalkinternational.com. Awesome. Well, with that said, thank you again so much for your time. And Jenny Lynn, thanks for co-hosting with me as always. So fun. Glad to be here. And with our listeners, we hope that today's episode gave you one more piece of knowledge, resource, or relevant story so you can continue to make confident and informed decisions for you and your family. We look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time.